Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is another installment in our Faith and Daily Life series. I was able to record a podcast with Paul Eppert. Paul is the counseling coordinator at Grandview High School and a very wise, thoughtful, caring individual and a person of deep faith. And so it was a real privilege to have this conversation with him and hear about his experience in the teaching and education world leading up to his current role as the counseling coordinator and just the way that he integrates his faith and spirituality within the work that he does on a daily basis. The other part that comes through is just how much he loves the job that he has been doing for these last 37 years. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. And I also, as always, hope that these conversations about faith and daily life uh, empower you in some ways. Whatever you are doing on a daily basis, there is a way that you are living out your faith in that space. And we are appreciative that people bring their faith into their work in subtle and uh, really obvious ways. So thank you to you. I hope these conversations continue, as I said, to empower you to see the connection between faith and your work. Now, though, without further ado, let's listen to this conversation with Paul Eppert. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Together for Good podcast. I have on the line Paul Eppert. Paul is the counseling coordinator at Grandview High School. Um, he's a really good guy, extremely thoughtful member here at Bethany Lutheran Church, and he's here to talk to us about his work and his kind of whole career. Paul, can you hear us? Welcome. I can. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on here with us, Paul. So yeah, as I mentioned, you are currently the counseling coordinator for Grandview. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what that means? Because I don't, you know, my high school, if I don't think it had a counseling coordinator. And if it did, I definitely never contacted that person. So just tell us a little bit about what this means. Okay. Um, so Grandview High School is located in Southeast Aurora. Um, we're a school of about 2,900 students. And... Um, it's a large, comprehensive high school with a lot of sort of traditional classes that we would all recognize from our own high school years. Um, <clears throat> Grandview has 10 counselors. And so each of the students in the school has an assigned counselor who follows that student through the four years of high school. Um, counselors work with students um, in three main areas. Uh, one is academic, um, mm -hmm. one is social and emotional, and then the third one is sort of postgraduate plans and, and career plans. And so um, I happen to be the one who sort of leads that department and um, uh, kind of keep, keeps us heading in, in a positive direction. Okay, so I think what we called the, I think my school, I went to a very small high school, especially compared to what you just described as Grandview. And I had a guidance counselor who basically helped me figure out what colleges to apply to. Um, and so that, that that's a little bit narrower than where things stand now. And I'm sure just given the new attitude towards social emotional health and learning that, I mean, has your, have you seen this kind of position in this school counselor position change or morph in your time doing this work? Oh I, yeah, it certainly has changed an awful lot. Um, but that, that guidance counselor term um, has sort of been um, out of date for 
a couple of decades now, professional school counselor is is oh. kind of the 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 moniker that we tend to use, and um, and and that that really focuses on those three domains that I just that I just talked about, and I and I think one of the things that's hard about this this thinking about this kind of work is that um, when we think about social and emotional learning. Um, I think it has to be done within a context of, of something. And since schools are academic places and learning is taking place there, then that social emotional learning takes place within the context of, of academics. And so when, when students are struggling with a mental health issue or um, emotional issue or a family issue or something like that, that, that impacts the rest of their lives. And of course, a big part of the rest of their lives is their academic life. So that that's those are things that we can work on with students um, in concert and um, and then it feels a little bit more in context. Yeah. And so doing this, work, I mean, I've got to imagine that you, you know, you build some really great relationships with the young people because well, and actually, here's what I should back up. As the counseling coordinator, do you also still have a cadre of students that you work with or are you kind of more big picture with all of this? Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the coordinator if I didn't get to have a caseload of kids. So I do have the kids are the ones that keep me sane. So I, <laughs> I hang on to that that um, part of part of the the, the role. Um, I don't have quite as big a, a group of students as the rest of the counselors, but I, I certainly have my my group. Yeah. It's funny you said that the kids are the ones that keep you sane. And, and for me, currently, as a father of young children, the kids are the ones that make me insane. But that's <laughs> a topic for a different podcast. Um, no, I want to I hear a little bit, too, about how you got into this kind of specific work. Because uh, we talked a little bit before we went online here. You were a, a social studies teacher prior to kind of getting into the counseling side of things within the school system. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition and how that came about? Um, Cause you, how long were you a social studies teacher? Did you say like 12 years or so? Yeah, I taught, you... I, I taught for 12 years before I started um, working as a school counselor. So um, I went to Augustana College, which now is called Augustana University in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and got my teaching license in social studies. Um, and I was a athlete. I played football in, in high school and yeah. in college. And um, and so I always thought that I wanted to coach and teach and and kind of put those things together. Um, so I started teaching at a high school north of Minneapolis, Minnesota, in a town called Cambridge. Um, and I was there for five years. And um, and I taught social studies for a couple of years. And then I taught in a program for. Um, some some of our sophomore kids who are really struggling, and um, uh, I taught a life skills program uh, in that in that sort of school within a school, and I think that was probably the beginning of my um, my leaning leanings toward uh, doing more counseling. I found that I was a little bit more interested in in working with kids around some of the things that that were real in their lives than to try to make sure that they knew. All the presidents in order so uh, that was a little shift for me yeah and i mean part of as with all these conversations as as we know i i want to kind of 
understand the faith angle of all of this as well. And so um, Augustana College slash university is a good Lutheran school. Um, and so I'm guessing that there was a, a faith component to leading you to that that college. And then additionally, even, I mean, do, do you, have you reflected at all about like your your affinity towards helping people with real problems, do you think that comes from your life of faith in some ways, or do you see any connections there? Yeah, sure. I, I, um, I grew up in a, um, my, my dad was the um, pastor of the United Methodist Church that I grew up in, oh, okay. in Southern Minnesota. And my mom, um, my mom had a two-year degree in elementary education. So way back in the day, she was able to teach with that two-year degree. But um, by the time I was born and, you know, in, in, in school and that sort of thing, um, the, the most that she could do with her degree, what, what she called a teacher's aide, we might call that a paraprofessional now. Um, so she did some of that work in the schools. Um, and my mom, my mom was always, she was always an advocate for the underdog that um, I really got an awful lot of of that part of my personality from my mom um, and, and my, my dad, both my dad and my mom really sort of gravitated toward the evangelical right throughout my, um, my high school years and then into my college years. And, and eventually my dad left the Methodist church and became a pastor of a evangelical covenant church in mm -hmm. my hometown. Um, that actually that congregation was formed when I was a junior in high school and they asked him to be their pastor. And that's when he left the the Methodist church. Wow. Um, and so I was a little unsteady about where I was um, in, in my spiritual journey toward the end of high school, as though all high school students aren't unsteady enough. But um, um, I think going, going to Augustana and um, finding a, a, questioning community, a space where um, there, there seemed to be a little bit more room to explore and question and, and wonder about who God is and, and what the Bible means and who we are called to be and who this guy Jesus really is. Um, that was a very freeing um, time for me. I had a religion professor, Dr. Murray Har is his name. Mm -hmm. And he um, is a he, uh, a Jewish man who had um, become a ELCA pastor and then taught at Augustana. And wow. Dr. Har made an enormous difference in my life when I was in college and helped help me think through kind of the spaces and places that I was in at that time. And and really, um, anyway, I don't mean to make a big thing about this, but I I, I, I sort of went a different direction from my birth family. And, um, um, I think, I think that has been something that I've reflected on an awful lot and kind of worked through and continue to work through, um, to this day mm -hmm. about what, what it, what it means to be in another profession other than the, than the one that my dad was in, other than the one that you're in being a pastor mm -hmm. and yet still being a person of faith who can live out, um, live out my, my, my beliefs and, and share them with others. Um, the, the, the older, older women in my, in my congregation, 
um, as I grew up. I look a lot like my dad. I sound a lot like my dad. And a lot of them used to say, well, you're going to be a pastor just like your dad. And and I really didn't ever want to do that. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't ever want to do that either because I look like my dad and sound like my dad. But I just I just am too stupid to figure out something else. I guess. Um, <laughs> so, no. Thanks for sharing all that. That's really fascinating background info on all of this too. And, and so, yeah, right. Like faith was a you were steeped in it. I'm sure, right? Like as a pastor's kid myself, you know, we, we're we're there before the church opens and is you know until it closes down. Um, and so you were steeped in all this. So it definitely was all there. But it also seems like you had this kind of uh, conflicted might be too strong a word, but just that you had some questions about it. And Augustana gave you the room to kind of explore that piece. Um, so then as you started out as a teacher, as an educator, right after college there, well, I, I shouldn't assume that. Did you go right into teaching following graduation? Yeah, I did. Yep. So as you started out then, um, like where can you, can you remember, can you recall kind of where you were at as a person of faith starting out as a teacher, given that college was such a time of wondering and questioning and wrestling with these ideas? Um, well, I, I, was really involved in the in the the campus ministry life at Augustana. Um, mm -hmm. um, we, when I think back on it, we had daily chapel. We had a, a Sunday worship service. We had a. Um, I was involved in fellowship of Christian athletes that that met on Sunday nights, and then there was one night a week when we had a an evening um, communion service that one of the the campus pastors would lead, and so I was. You know, I, I, I loved all that. I, I ate all that up. I was always really involved. And then when I left college, all of a sudden there was this enormous void and there wasn't, you know, there wasn't this ready, ready made group of people my, my same age that were um, exciting and interesting and fun to be with and, and, um, and challenging um, my, my faith questions and my faith life. And so that was, that was a little bit hard. I, I got involved in the, in the, Lutheran Church in the the small town where I um, where I was teaching, and um, I started to help with the Young Life group that was active in that small town, and got to know some of those um, other leaders that were about my same age. So that was that was helpful, and that was great. Um, my older sister lived just a few minutes north of of where I lived, and she was real involved in her church. And sometimes I would um, do something there. Mm. Um, she's a she's a real um, talented musician, and she would do special music on Sunday mornings sometimes, and ask me if I would sing with her or something like. Um, I, there were still a lot of opportunities for me to do a lot of things. Um, wasn't exactly like it was in college, but you know I was a grown up then, so I had to find my way. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember my first year after college too, and yeah, struggling to be a grown up was a real uh shell shock for me right. uh, of yeah just you have the built-in community and then suddenly you don't you know it it really unsettled and unsettled me at least in a lot of different ways um but but so now you carry this all with you right like so you're you're struggling you know figuring out adulthood working as a teacher kind of helping out in churches in different ways and then you kind of mentioned this already. You you started to get the opportunity to work with some of the kids on real life issues. That was the way that you put it. And, and I've got a. And I'm guessing that that's part of what led you into, as you said, 
pursuing this counseling, school counseling type of career. Can you can you walk us through a little bit of that transition process, moving from teaching into the counseling, just like what compelled you to make that shift? Because the, the other thing about adulthood is that it, once you start to get into a rhythm of things, it can become pretty comfortable. And it's like, oh, this is good. This is good. And so to make a, a shift, even though it's within the education sphere, I'm sure there was a lot going on in your head and your heart at that time. Yeah. And I, I wish it was a little deeper from what I'm going to say, Nate. Not at all. No. <laughs> the, truth, the truth is, at pretty pretty quickly on in, in, in an educator's life, somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you need to go get a master's degree because you get paid more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and so I knew that I wanted to get a master's and I wasn't sure what I wanted to get it in. I didn't think that I wanted to be an, an administrator. Um, and I wasn't all that jazzed about the content that I was, I was studying. I liked it, but, um, you know, I didn't really want to get a master's in some kind of ancient history or something like that. So, um, so I decided to get a master's in counseling and that's what, that's what sort of led me into the, into the school counseling piece. As soon as I finished my master's degree, one of the counselors at the school where I was working at that time um, had moved on and there was an opening and the administration asked me if I was interested and I said I was. And so I applied and interviewed and got the job and um, worked at a middle school as a counselor for three years. And then Grandview was just opening up at that time. And the, the guy who was the counseling coordinator at Grandview at the time um, came and talked with me and asked me if I was interested in a position that, he, that, that was open here and I applied for that one and and then I I moved here. So I've been at Grandview now for yeah, 20, 23 years at Grandview now. So I've been here a long, long time. Wow. And so as you've been here working at Grandview in that capacity, what I am really fascinated by, I've brought it up a number of times, is your your line about working with kids on real life issues. D does spirituality ever enter into that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah please. T I mean, say more about that, too. I, I just would love to kind of hear what the specifics of what you mean when you when you use that label. Yeah. So um, w working with with kids, especially over the course of their high school career over four years, you know, we get to know each other pretty well. And I, I try to be pretty transparent about who I am and um, give them a little bit of insight about, um, you know, what what my life is like and I like to ride my bike and I like to go to the and uh, swim and ski and, and surf. And I like to downhill ski or I played football when I was a kid. I, I ran track. Um, I was in the choir in high school. I was in plays in high school. So I try to find some way that we can connect um, try to know a little bit about all of those things so that I can, I can bring them up as we get together and, and they can know a little bit about me and I can know a little bit about them. Um, the other day it was fun. I, I, this a couple of months ago, actually, I had picked some strawberries out of my, my strawberry bed and had them on in a bowl on my, on my desk. And one of my kids came in in the morning and um, so we sat and ate strawberries together and talked <laughs> about my garden for about the first five minutes. And, you know, it's amazing how, um, just a little connection, just a little, a little normalcy, a little, little space where, um, where, where you can chat about who you are, um, can help open things up to some other things. And so 
as as I learn about kids and as as they learn about me and then as as we start to talk about some of the things that are really struggles for them, um, one of the things that I like to to talk with them about is what helps. Yeah. So when when times are dark, when um, challenges are big, when families are struggling, when my girlfriend breaks up with me, when I feel alone, when I'm depressed, when I can't sleep. So what helps? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what helps is is to connect to something bigger than themselves. And I let them lead me um, along the way. And I don't have any fears or concerns about them saying, you know, well, I pray, or this is when, this is when um, God really becomes um, such a important part of, of my life is when I, when I'm struggling. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I sometimes will share with them what, what my relationship with God is, but I, I don't, I don't go into great detail about Christianity and, um, you know, what church I go to and that they could come there to or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, if, if this is something that's helpful for them, then we can talk about what that means and where they might get even more support in that area. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, one, I'm sure that, you know, separation of church and state type things right. you have to be very careful about. Yeah, th- that evangelism is not really welcome in that setting. Uh, but I'm curious, what what do you say? If you could give us an example of the types of things when you're talking about what helps for you and, you know, your connection in life of faith. I'm just curious how you, um, yeah, how you articulate that in that setting. Well, one of the things that um, over the last couple of years that's been kind of helpful is that um, we have an upstream suicide prevention um, program, I guess you call it. Um, it's called Sources of Strength that includes eight strengths hmm. in, in our lives, um, everything from physical health to mental health to having a mentor. Um, and one of them is spirituality. And so one of the ways that I can open it up with kids is to say, well, where, where do you see, where, where are your strengths? Um, it, 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 all the strengths are kind of um, visually depicted in a wheel. It looks a little bit like a, um, like a game piece that's got little, little pie pieces that are different colors. Oh, like Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Right, Trivial Pursuit. And, and so um, spirituality is one of them. And so I might say, which of these is a strength for you and why would you say that? And if they don't say spirituality, I might say, which of these areas do you see as, as you know, maybe kind of a, a weakness or an area that you, might, that you might build up a little bit more? And a lot of times kids will say spirituality. And, um, and they might be really turned off by um, church or the synagogue or um, you know, they may not want to go to the mosque or, you know, whatever the case is. But when we talk about spirituality and what it might mean to them, how this, how this spiritual space um, that, that may be void for them could be filled up in different ways, um, sometimes that's really helpful for them. And a lot of times there's a connection to another person or, um, 
you know, a grandparent or someone mm-hmm. in the community, or maybe even someone in their faith community that they do connect with, that they've lost some space with and lost lost some time with, and maybe they maybe they reconnect with that person. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, I mean, that's just such a great way uh, of, well, well I'd, I'd love to learn more about this whole sources of strength piece to it. Uh, and it, it gets me thinking too, just on a really practical level, um, what, what advice would you have for a church right now? I know that mental health amongst youth is a really is a difficult space, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, I think, I've, you know, you and I have talked about this before, just on a Sunday morning or something about how, how much of an uptick there seems to be in, in struggle in these areas. What are the types of things that churches could be doing to, to better serve their young people in these ways? Um, well, I, I think when I think about the, the time and the space that we provide at Bethany and that, that is provided at other, in other churches and that, that kind of space, I think is really what, what kids need right now. They need, they need a place to be, they need a connection to have, and, and they need some grace and some, some people of humility who are simply willing to be, you know, be there with them in that space. And, and, I think it has, there has to be, like I said before, there has to be a context, there has to be an activity, there has to be, you know, something that they're doing that then is the springboard for the chance to share the struggles that they're having to, to, um, to work in the, to, to work on some of the things that, that are going through their minds that they just don't have a place to, to talk about. Yeah. And it's great that church, when church can be that for people, um, old, young, you know, and any sort of age, I think there is real, real power. And for me, I, I keep coming back to, you know, churches do so much. Uh, and and I'm, I'm always hopeful that I can use an evaluative tool in my own head of like, are we actually doing the types of things that will, will help folks? And, and so I'm think I'm wondering about with you too, right? As, as a person of faith, do you see um, a lot of your work of just like, like, have you made that connection before between the ways that you kind of just provide space for people and that you try to show up as a person of humility, as you said, for these young people? Um, do, do you see that as an extension of your, your life of faith? Um, does that thought not really enter your mind? Is that just what a good counselor does? I'm kind of wondering how this plays in your head. Well, I, I, on my best days, I think I have the best job in the world um, because I, I get paid to, to do exactly what you just said and I'm good at, and I think I, and, and I know that I enjoy it's, it's a way for me to make a connection and to make a meaningful connection as that connection grows. Um, so in a school, I don't have to deal with insurance companies. I don't have to deal with, um, you know, appointments all the time. I, I don't have to, um, I don't have to advertise my services or, or anything like that. I can show up here and I've got a ready-made group of kids that I get to build connections with. And as that happens over time, um, they become more and more meaningful and, and with, with grace and humility, I, I hope that I can make a difference um, with them, just like they make a difference for me. Mm. 
Can you say more about how they make a difference for you? Oh, um, I learn stuff from kids every, every day. Um, and sometimes they make me laugh. Um, sometimes they make me cry. Um, but when I think about who they are and, and what their lives are like, um, I also really love the fact that I know whose they are and that they are mm. in God, in the palm of God's hand. And that, um, sometimes at night I have to, you know, let them go and know that, um, that they'll be, they'll be taken care of, um, because that's, that's what I believe. Ah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think that's a really valuable piece for all of us to remember, um, regardless of what type of profession we might be working with. We all have these anxieties about how things will turn out. Thanks for that, Paul. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really powerful. Well, and thanks for, I mean, all of the work you do and just the way that you have committed your life to creating space and a place of grace for young people. I'm sure you have touched the lives of so many individuals who have come through your office over the years. Um, and I, I hope you know that, that, yeah, right. Like a, a powerful mentor, I'm sure. Right. That's probably one of the sources of strength. A, a good present mentor can just mean so much to individuals. So I'm grateful for the work that you do each and every day and really grateful for you taking the time to just talk to us about it. This has been uh, powerful and really just in incredible to hear the joy in your voice as you talk about your work, but also the, the deep wisdom that you carry with you each of these days. So uh, anything more to add before we sign off? No, I just appreciate um some time to talk with you, Nate, and to share some of my, my life with folks. And I appreciate you giving this opportunity. And of course, all, all that you do in your ministry as well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Well, and thanks to our listeners for taking the time to listen to this. Uh, we, we hope that this is helpful for you and affirming as well. Whatever your life entails, whatever your work is, there are so many ways to live out your faith on a daily basis. It doesn't just have to be as a pastor like Paul's dad or my dad. Like, there are so many ways that we get to live out our faith and just show up as people of humility, creating spaces of grace for those we encounter. So thanks again to Paul for his time here. Thanks to you for listening. Stay in peace, everyone.